Good. Well, good morning. Goedemorgen. Um, well, it's been a beautiful morning, and um, just as we as we start, I just want to say, you know, if maybe if you're new here and you're a visitor and you see even the way that the worship takes place, you know, the Bible says. I was thinking of that scripture in Ephesians. Um, uh, I think it's Ephesians five. It says that we sing to the Lord, we and we sing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And sometimes our songs are structured and ordered, but sometimes our songs are spiritual songs to the Lord. You know, they're messy and they, they, they're from the heart and they're, they're spontaneous. And that's often our worship to the Lord. And I think as Christians, we need to learn how to sing psalms and hymns, but also learning how to sing spiritual songs, where sometimes you can come before God and just sing from the heart, sing scripture, just sing, and, and I don't think, um, and I think learning that skill is actually very important in our prayer life, that we learn to sing spiritual songs to the Lord, and, uh, and essentially that's what we're doing this morning, uh, and just a beautiful way that we can gather together as God's people. Um, I know the other thing as we start, by the, by the way, my, so my name is Mike, I'm one of the elders in the congregation, um, I'm not here very often, I think last week we were here well, I was here, I think we were both here about five weeks ago, and um, I've been traveling a lot this year, coming from, going from Brazil, which was where I last time, all the way to Benoni, <laughs> and everything in between. And um, it's been a privilege just to travel around the churches, and around the different Josh Gen churches, and then just to see what God is doing, um, and it's beautiful. But it, we always miss Wellington, because I don't think we realize always what God is doing in Wellington. Uh, it's a very special thing. It's a beautiful thing here to be just even um, in the congregation. Um, and as we start this morning, you know, we've been singing about God getting the glory and Jesus being the Lord. And um, I just want to say something before we start. It's just, just, this is free. This isn't part of my notes. This is just a freebie. Um, is, you know, I think part of as well, like, I feel like something of the Lord, and He was doing it this morning wonderfully. And I felt challenged in Him for me this morning, just this idea of having a, a greater spiritual aggression, almost to, to lay hold of the things of God, you know, that we don't just walk into them, they don't just happen, we don't drift into the purposes of God. Um, the purposes of God is something that we have to lay hold of. And I know when I got born again, there was a scripture in Matthew, I think it's in Matthew 6, that was often quoted, um, and it was a scripture to do with how the violent take the kingdom of God by force. And it's this idea of being spiritually violent, of saying, Lord, I'm going to take hold of you. I'm going to take hold of your promises. I'm, I'm not going to allow the devil and the world to, to kind of beat me. And I know discouragement comes upon us, often a bit like a bully, you know, and comes to discourage us. And, and we feel the, the weight of this shame and this, uh, guilt or things that we're facing in our lives. If we don't lay hold of God, it's not going to happen. Um, I think of that scripture in Philippians 3 where Paul says, um, forgetting what is behind, I'm pressing forward to what lies ahead. There's a sense of being like a, like a soldier. You know, a soldier doesn't just kind of drift into the battlefield. Hey, you know, hey, you, hey enemy, hey there, you know. You know there's, there's a spiritual aggression if you're a soldier. There's a sense that you're, you're laying hold, and I think Paul says uh, earlier in Philippians 3, uh, I'm laying hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. And if Christ has gripped your heart, if Christ has gripped you, if, if the King of heaven has, has gripped you, 
then we have to grip him. We've got to lay hold of him as he has laid hold of us. Not in order to lay hold, it's because he's laid hold of you. We love him because he's loved us. And um, it's a beautiful thing. And so I trust in the Lord that none of us, you know, that as Christians, the word Christian or, or Jesus follower and passive would never be in the same sentence. In other words, passive means lukewarm or like indifferent. You know, that there's something of a fire that God would put in our bones for him as we, as we run for him. And um, yeah, and just that we would trust that. And I know I need that more and more. Like, oh, Lord, I drift. I drift towards being passive. You know, I drift to lukewarm. Um, I need the fire, man. I don't know about you. I need the oil. I need oil for the fire. Do any of you need the oil for the fire? Like, God, please, I need the oil. God, I drift. Man, I drift. And um, so what I want to do this morning is I wanted to share with you something um, and I wanted to share a word, and I wanted to just break open a scripture from Colossians chapter 3 that deals with serving Jesus in the workplace. And so, you know, we're talking about Jesus being Lord and about like, like, like laying hold of Christ, and we can do that on a Sunday morning and pray God for Sunday morning, but what about Monday morning? What happens to Jesus as Lord on a Monday or on a Friday morning when you are tired after a long, busy week? And so I want to talk about this aspect of how we to serve Jesus in the workplace. And this aspect is as important as what it is to serve Jesus anywhere else. Because for most of you, this maybe... Oh, am I? Okay. All right. Mike. <laughs> All right, so let's read together Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, and it's, let's read it together. It says, Colossians 3, 22, from verse 4 to 1, and it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven." And I'm going to unpack the scripture now now, but, you know, it's written in the context of a household codes, where before this, it speaks about parents and the way that you should parent your children, and it speaks about children, the way that you should respond to your parents. And, you know, the wonderful thing about the gospel, that if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then that means Jesus is Lord of our home lives as well. Jesus is Lord of what we do in private, and Jesus is Lord of what we do in public. Jesus is Lord of what we watch. Jesus is Lord of the way that we treat people. And God is concerned that about these things that honor him and that glorify him as you serve him. And then what he does is, as part of the household code, he mentions about slaves and masters. 
And you know, um, I know today we don't really, we do, there is slavery in the world. We don't really have modern day slaves. What we do have is we've got bosses and employees. That's kind of a modern version of, of kind of what I want to apply today here. Now you are here, either, either you are a business owner or a boss, some of you are bosses, some of you are employees where you work for somebody, and some of you might be here and you are unemployed where you work for yourself. And I want to trust today as well that even at the back of this, that we want to trust that if you don't have work, that the heart of God is for you to have work. And we would love to stand with you and trust that the Lord would, would give you an opportunity um, and just provide a way to even give work um, in Him. And, um, and so that's kind of the context. Now, when we speak about work, you know, work sometimes, when we as believers talk about this word, this little four-letter word, sometimes we go, huh, work, you know? It's, like got a, it's got a bad connotation. And I think partly is because of a number of reasons, because, you know, we know that the Bible says we are not saved. Ephesians 2 says, you're not saved by your works. So we know that we are under grace, we are saved by grace, and that the Christian life doesn't start with work. To come into the kingdom of God starts at the place of starting with surrender and grace. You don't have to work, at least in terms of a spiritual way. You don't earn your way to, to Christ, right? Jesus comes and he gives you salvation by your faith. And sometimes we think that the Christian life is one where we don't work, but then it continues and says that you are saved to do good works, to save to do things for God, and not only that, but in the workplace, to actually be those that work well in the workplace for God. And, um, you know, and, and in order to do this, I want us to go back quickly to the book of Genesis. And just quickly, I want to mention a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament, like anything we do in the New Testament, as we are following Jesus, it's important that you go back again, because a lot of the truths that we believe today come from the old. The words that we use, worship, sin, redemption, forgiveness, salvation, elders, congregation, um, you know, all these words, the way they're found, they're found in the Old Testament. Even the word, the phrase, the laying on of hands, that's not some kind of practice that Josh Jen made up or the New Testament made up. It's from the Old Testament. And so we find this idea of work right in Genesis 2.15. It's the same idea, is that work is a sacred thing. And when God makes Adam and Eve, we know Genesis 2.15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work it and to keep it. And so what did God do is God created us to work. He created us to be doing things, to be productive, to use our time to the glory of God and to use it well. And, um, and, you know, we're made in God's image. Interesting, you know, that God in a number of places, God refers himself as a worker. He says in John, for example, Jesus says, I am working, my father is working always as am I too. God is always working. And work in the Bible is this idea of a privilege that when Adam was in the garden and Eve, to work it, it wasn't done because it was a punishment as if they had done something wrong. In fact, work is not a result of the fall. It's not a curse. Work is part of our worship to God. Work is part of, of the blessing of being made in the image of God. 
that when God has made you and even made, made you again by being born again, in a sense, he restores us back to be those who are keepers of his garden, that you've got a garden, you've got a, a sphere that you work through that God would want you to oversee and tend for and care for. That's in your workplace, that's in your home life. Some of you are at school. Your garden might be your school, or you're a student. Uh, that's what your place is in him. And you know, in the Old Testament, as we carry on, we see this idea that, that it was a sacred thing. And nowhere in the Old Testament does God ever push work down. Work is always lifted up as a beautiful thing in God's sight. For example, if we go through the book of Proverbs, we see that throughout the book of Proverbs, God honors the righteous man, and the righteous man is never lazy. He's always a man that is working, that he's looking after his stuff, but then you've got the opposite of a man by the, he's called the sluggard, okay? The sluggard or the sloth, you know? Um, and the sloth was someone who basically is always making an excuse. Uh, for example, um, Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. I don't know if that's up on the, did I give you that scripture? And uh, no, don't worry. And then it speaks about the ant and says, oh, sluggard, look at the ant because he works hard and he's preparing for the future. Don't be like the ant, oh, sluggard. Have any of you seen a, a, a snail without its, we've got slugs in our back garden. Um, they're basically snails without the shell. And um, they like to come and they eat our dog's food. We've got these little food bowls. And they kind of crawl up like this. They're like, they kind of, they come up and then they, it's like they get themselves on the, on the dog's pellets. We've got these dog pellets. And then they go, and they just, they're just trying to eat the pellets. And I think, you know, that's the idea of the sluggard. And in the Proverbs, the sluggard is always making an excuse. You know, he says, oh, there's a lion in the streets, it says in Proverbs. Because he doesn't want to work, and he's got lots to say. He's very good with his mouth, but he's very bad with his actions. <clears throat> and so the Old Testament mentions that, but you know, it carries on and mentions how the heart of God is for us not only creating us to work, and to say you need to be not like the sluggard who's discouraged in the Old Testament, be like the, the righteous man that, is, that, 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 that is, has a good work ethic. But then he mentions in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 2, and I love this, where Solomon is reminiscing about life. And, you know, it's, if you read Ecclesiastes, he says this, Ecclesiastes 3 2. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man sorry, than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. And so in the Old Testament, the heart of God was for us to enjoy our work, to enjoy it. And in Christ, he can restore work to be something that is part of our worship to him, even at times where we know work is difficult and can be frustrating, okay? And I wanna ask you today, is that you in your heart, that, that in your heart that you would claim this and say, yes, Lord, I wanna ask that you would redeem me in these things, that for me, when I wake up on a Monday morning, you know, I know in, when I grew up in our family, we used to have a saying on a Friday. And when it was Friday, my dad would always take us to school, and he'd often say, TGIF. Do any of you know what that means? It's a very English thing in the Afrikaans culture. Thank God it's Friday. And we go, woo, weekend. Yeah, Friday. We should wake up on a Monday morning and go, TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Yeah, Monday's here, I get to glorify God in my workplace. Oh, I get to find him, I get to 
be a witness in the way that I am towards others. You know? Let's carry on. So let's go back to Colossians 3, verse 22 to 25. And um, here I want to give you two things, essentially, of commands that are given to us as those that work. And, you know, don't you love the, the Scriptures? That The Scriptures are very detailed. It's God's heart. God is interested in the details of your life. You know, God is interested in how we worship. He's interested in our prayer life. But God also instructs us how to work. And it's an amazing thing, you know, that God would be so, he would take so much care through the Apostle Paul, through the letters, that you can glorify God with even as something small, as seemingly small as work, or as eating and drinking. And so let's go to Colossians 3 and verse 22. And here are the, the, the two points I want to give you. And the first point <clears throat> for us, and these are for the workers, for those who work. I know some of you here are not working, you're studying or you're not working, but take it anyway because the principle is for us all. Number one, we're called to work obediently. That is the first principle for followers of Jesus, to work obediently. And let's look at verse 22. It says, bond servants or employees or people, students under teachers, obey in everything, those who are your earthly masters. And so what's the first point? Obey your boss. Obey people that are in authority to you, whether you like them or not. He doesn't say, obey your master only if your master is a good master. There's no qualification here. In fact, I know that some of you are under very difficult work environments, the Scriptures doesn't say only obey when you're in an easy work environment. The heart of God is to empower you even in a very difficult place. What does it mean to obey your boss? It means do what they say. <laughs> um, what else? Kind of, that's it. And then what it does, it carries on, interesting enough, and I'm going to qualify this now because I know some of you have an objection. We're going to answer the objection now. But look what it carries on to say in verse 22, is we work obediently, by the way, under, under point number one, not to win the favor of our boss, because he carries on in verse 22, it says, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Stop there. In other words, he's saying, don't work or don't study or don't be at school to kind of catch the attention, the eye of the person who maybe has authority over you in some way. No, no, no. Don't try and be a people pleaser. And you know, I remember this. When I was, I used to be a high school teacher for about eight, nine years. Before, um, that was my, my previous career, so to speak. And um, I was serving the Lord, but that was my day job. Um, and my day job was in a high school. And in the school that I worked at, it was a school in Cape Town, um, a big high school near Tableview area, Milneton area. And at that school, we had a principal who was um, a very old school principal, very tall man, uh, very upright man, very old school. He didn't relate to this, the, the teachers very well. If, if, if he wanted to see you, he wouldn't go up and speak to you and sit down next to you. He'd give you a little note and he'd put it in your cubby hole, see me in my office. 
and you'd go in like a little, meanwhile you're like an adult, going to go see the principal. And uh, that's how we related to him. He was very much removed from the staff, but the, many of the staff wanted to please him. Well, some of the staff did, you know, they kind of, when he's around, ah, now we're going to work. And Jesus, uh, and scripture says here that don't work like that. Don't work hard only when your boss is watching you. Don't work hard only when a human being or you want to impress someone else in your workplace. The idea is, it says, but with sincerity of heart, it carries on in verse 22, fearing the Lord. And so the, the heart of working obediently, why are we called to obey our teachers, our lecturers, our bosses, our masters? Why do we do that? Because we fear the Lord. And we understand that God is watching us. And there's a level here that changes everything. And so with a good heart, we fear God because we know that God is watching. He's our ultimate boss, as we'll see just now. That's number one, work obediently. And I want to ask you, is like, do you ever grumble, maybe, in the workplace? Do you ever got a bad attitude? Or even there's a shadow in your heart or a shadow in your mind or a thought of like, <sighs> I know I felt like that. Even while working in full-time ministry, I felt like that. Oh, in the church. Yo. And I, we've got to deal with these things and bring it back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm working before an audience of one because I want to please you, Lord. You're the one watching me. And I want to catch your eye above everyone else in what I do. Um, that's number one, work obediently. Number two, let's look at number two. We call to work wholeheartedly wholeheartedly, with a whole heart. And look what it says in verse 23, Colossians um, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, it's interesting, eh? He says, whatever you do. So here's a question. But Mike, is there such a thing as a holy, holy work? Is some work better than other work? Is some work more pleasing to God than other types of work? That's a good question. And I would say this, is I would say in some ways no. That whether you are a taxi driver, rather be, as David Pawson once said, a godly taxi driver than an ungodly missionary. Rather be a godly housewife or mother than be an ungodly, you know, CEO. Thank you. I was thinking of something more Christian, but I was. So he says here, in some ways, it's whatever you do. So the heart of God, there's no spiritual in the kingdom. The only thing that is carnal is sin. That's the only thing that is carnal. The rest is spiritual. In other words, if you've got a day job, and your day job might seem menial, and it doesn't seem like it's got anything to do with the kingdom, whatever you do, work is unto the Lord. In other words, God will bless, if, if you're doing it with a heart as unto him, it is ministry, it is worship unto the Lord. And it's pleasing to him. If you're a petrol pump attendant, and your job is to put, you know, like, Lord, what is that doing for the kingdom? I'm simply taking fuel, putting in the car, you know, putting it back, taking the money. Maybe that's your job. What's that got to do with the king? Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, 
And one of the things we have to be careful, my friends, like, and I found this in, in a church like Josh Jen, where we kind of, and I know especially with the young guys, this is true, and the young girls, we glorify full-time ministry. Oh, if I could be paid by the church, then I know I'll be truly spiritual. Then my work will be pleasing to the Lord. And kind of, and I was there. I remember when I was a school teacher, I felt the call of God and I wrestled with the idea of why do I have to teach history, history of art and the different things I taught. I want to teach the Bible. And I remember the Lord saying to me, Mike, I've put you in a secular environment because I want you to be an example, but I need to teach you to be faithful where you are. Your teaching of that is as important as teaching the Bible. Do we believe it, my friends? Jesus, you know, he was a carpenter. His father was a handyman. That's carpenter, he fixed things. It was a glorious thing. And under Jewish culture, working with your hands was a high calling. And we dare not forget it. And it says here, work heartily. Whatever you do, work heartily. In other words, what does it mean? Literally, it means work from the soul. Work from a part of you that's saying, I'm going to do this enthusiastically. That's what one of the other translations says. Work enthusiastically as unto the Lord. So I know when some of us work, it's like, you know, we're working, but our heart is on like somewhere else, right? You know, you know what I mean? Our mind is like, your mind is here at your desk or wherever you're working or you're doing something, but your, your mind is on, you know, where? So, somewhere. It's not there. <laughs> but God wants us to put our hearts in our jobs. It's interesting. Why? Why should we put our heart in our job? Not just a little bit of your heart, but your whole heart. Why? Well, look at verse 24. We know it's not for the money. God doesn't want to do it because we'll just get a monetary reward to get rich, because we know that that's not the heart of God. While he blesses with wealth, he can. The aim is not money or wealth or position or status. Verse 24, it says, Knowing we work heartily as unto the Lord and not to man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. In other words, we're working heartily because we know that God himself, he is your boss, and if you work with a integrity and righteousness, if you study at school and you have the right attitude, and even your attitude towards your teachers, you guys, <laughs> okay? Actually, God sees and God will reward in a way that we could not even dream or imagine. And I wanted to share this with you this morning, is that ultimately there's a payday coming, you know? There's a payday. God has got a payday for you. And the payday might not always be in this life. He does bless here. But there's a payday coming, and that's what it says here. And what is the reward? An eternal reward. That you are going to stand before the Lord one day, and he has seen you. He has seen your sacrifice. He has seen the way that you have given when no one sees. He sees the way that you love when no one sees. He sees the way that you worship him in a difficult environment and that you honor him in a place that maybe no one would ever recognize, but God sees. And because God is a faithful God and an all-knowing God and an all-seeing God, 
He will reward. Do you believe that? Do you trust him enough to say, yes, Lord, I will hold fast. And so I will put my head down and do and honor you and, 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 and please you in what I do. And oh God, as I do so, that you would get the glory. And that when others see me, they see something of Christ in me, even in those things. And it's a beautiful, attractive thing. I know for some Christians, now that they're saved, they're like, yeah, I'm in the workplace. And for them, serving Jesus in the workplace means all I'm going to do is instead of working, I'm going to take 15 coffee breaks every day. <clears throat> and I'm just going to put tracks and gospel verses on people's desks, and I'm just going to spam them with the gospel. <clears throat> I want to say that's not right either, because that's also actually dishonoring to the Lord, because you never get any work done. Work unto the, and trust the Lord for opportunities, though, as you're faithful, and they see the fact that you're different. Remember when I was a school teacher, there were times, I remember one teacher came up to me and said, you're just different from the other staff. She couldn't, like, what is it about you? Why are you so different from the other staff? She was a, an English teacher at the school where I worked at. She's like, but you don't gossip like the other, you know, you don't skinner in the staff room. Like, what is it about you? Like, you just, you just act differently. And through that, I was actually had an opportunity just to build a relationship and bring something of the heart of Christ, you know? Sometimes the way we preach with our actions is as important if not more than our words. And I know these things to this. Some of you might be working in an unethical environment. I had a friend once who was working in a situation where he worked for in a printing company, and his job was to oversee the printing of magazines in Cape Town. Um, and this company started printing um, adult magazines, like uh, they were porn, it was basically soft porn, porn magazines. And, um, and as he was here to oversee the quality of these magazines, you know, like look at the quality of the pictures, that was his job. And as a Christian, as a believer, remember he wrestled this, like, Lord, I know that I have to work obediently, I have to work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, but right now my conscience cannot allow me to do this thing. What should I do? And now he also had to look after his family, he had to pay the bills, he had to, um, <clears throat> maybe we can lock that door, thanks. <clears throat> that was some demon fleeing. <clears throat> Demons are left. <laughs> I'm out of here, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he was in this environment, this work environment, where it was very difficult for him. He felt he was sinning by staying in that environment. And as he worked it through with, with us as leaders, we said, well, if you're sinning against your conscience and by doing this, clearly you're sinning against God, then what are you going to do? And he said, no, he feels he should quit his job and he's going to have to look for something else, but he cannot with good conscience stay where he is right now. And he did. He, he for the sake of, of his purity, actually, for the sake of his own soul, he actually had to quit his job. But you know, God was so good because He's working for the Lord, and God provided for him something else. Um, now, for you, it doesn't mean that you should just quit your job because you've got a difficult boss who swears at you. That, we, you know? But if it's causing you to sin against your conscience, you have to work that out in a way that is honoring to God. 
But these are principles that Scripture gives us as we want to try and work it through as best as we can. So that's the two principles, work obediently and work wholeheartedly. The last thing I want to give you is this, is that in chapter 4, verse 1, it mentions a command for those that are the masters or the bosses, the boss, von die Blas, <laughs> okay, or the boss or the, the, the chief, the big cheese, uh, whatever, you, whatever they get called. And look what it says here. Now, there's a, there's a responsibility that if you have a business, or maybe one day that God has called you to have a business where you're going to make money and employ people, I know some of you have a desire for that, that you run your own businesses and you have people that you can provide for, God also has a command for you. And his command for you is this. Masters, treat your employees, bond servants, justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. And so God has given a charge to us for if he gives you responsibility, if you're a school teacher, I want to say this is the same for you, to look after those under your care and to be, to be care, to care for those under your, your care, to have deliberate care about it. God is concerned, you know, about workers getting a fair wage and in good working conditions. And even in the Old Testament, God was so concerned about how we work that he set one day aside as part of the law called the Sabbath, and on that day, you were not allowed to work. Even so, if you had a donkey that you worked hard for six days, your donkey had to rest also on the Sabbath because God was concerned even with the animals that they would be rested and cared for. Don't you think how much more that God is concerned with us? And obviously, ultimately, where do we find our rest? We find it in Jesus. We rest in him, but also we have a day set aside to rest, to rest from work, to make sure you can find yourself again in the purposes of God. And so I want to close by saying this. You know, many of you are spending 40 hours or 45 hours or 50, 60 hours in the week outside of church meetings. That matters to God. It glorifies Him. We know that our lives are about the kingdom, but the kingdom is broad. And it all points to that we could serve Him and see the church to become something beautiful. We don't separate work from church. For us, it's all part of doing life together in the kingdom. And I want to ask you this in closing, that are you accountable in your workplace, even in how you act? Are you accountable even in church life that you would allow someone to speak into your life over how you work? And you said, and you would say to someone, if you know me, would you, I want to share with you, this is my area of my life, that is not separate from Christ. It's all under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to pray for us as we close. And um, yeah, encourage you that this is God's heart. <clears throat> um, thank you, Lord. Just as we pray together, I want to remind you of this, that we're not saved by works or by even earning or working hard. We're saved by the grace of God. 
And even in your work situation or where you find yourself, maybe as a house mom or as a, stu a student at school or at university or wherever you find yourself, the heart of God is to give you grace, to empower you, to help you in those times, to find your strength in the Lord. And I want to remind you of that today. I want to say that if you're here and you're trying to please God in your own strength, you're going to fail. But we have to turn to him and trust him and say, Lord, ah, oh, I need your strength even in my own weakness. Come, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to pray for a couple of groups of people this morning. Um, the first group I want to pray for are those who maybe, you know what? Yeah, I think how to do this. Okay, let's, let's do this. Um, maybe for you, you've had a low view of work. And that your work you've seen as like just, you know, it's a means to an end, but you haven't seen it as a way to glorify God. Maybe you've lost sight to the fact that work, in your work, you can worship God. And this morning where you are, just like turn to him, just repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry. If I've had a low view of work, if I've actually realized that I haven't honored you in my workplace or I've just kind of you know, lost sight of this, just bring it to the Lord right now and just say, Lord, just repent, actually. Just say, Lord, I'm not living according to your word. I'm doing it according to my own understanding. Maybe for you, it's just a second group. is like um, you're in a place where you need work. And you need, actually, some kind of employment. And if that's you, we want to pray for you and trust that God would do a miracle and give you the right employment. We're going to do that now. And we're going to pray for each other. Yeah, as we do. So, let's do that. Is, can we all stand? Let's stand together. Um... Okay, Let's, we're going to pray for a few groups of people, and um, I know we've done lots of praying together this morning, but we want to respond to this in the right way. Who of you are here and you need work? You need employment. You're in the place where you need to trust God for work to break through. Remember, God loves work. He created us to work. Keep your hand up, please. That's, we're, going to, we're going to keep your hand up nice and high. Okay, we've got a few folk. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask just... If you're part of the church, you're a member in this church or you're a leader or whatever, just find the folk that have got their hands up and I want you just gently just to, um, yeah, just put your hand on their back or, or wherever and we're going to pray for that. Now, I want to ask who's got faith this morning to pray for work for these individuals? Who's got faith to trust God for that? Anil, come. <laughs> 